Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Podcast. Sorry we missed last week, but we are back. And I've got with me the A-team this week of uh, uh, Seppo. Good evening. Yeah, good evening. Welcome to the A-team. And uh, Messenger is back and in fine form already. I, I, I imagine I'm face man amongst the A-team. Would that be right? <laughs> Quit your jibber jabber. And, um, <laughs> and, and Mike, of course, with us yet again. Oh, hello, all. Good to be back. But I'm not going to do any BA practice and uh, <laughs> imitations. <laughs> and, I'll, uh, I'll stick to, uh, what was his name? Was it Hannibal? Or... No, I think, and in the role of Howling Mad Murdoch. <laughs> Murdoch, that's right. Don't try Murdoch. and make me out to be BA. That's not going to fall. You can be BA. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a plane. <laughs> I pity the fool. Now, let's. <laughs> we're going to move right away from impressions because none of us are any good at them. And uh, what straight on to what caught your eye over the last uh, week or so, guys? And we'll start with uh, Messenger. What caught my eye? Well, I watched a really good movie a couple of weeks ago. It was fantastic. But um, this was a pretty so-so week of football. Good, good Hawthorne win, really good Hawthorne win. But um, we're starting to see the uh, the drudgery of July with a couple of terrible games, including our regular Friday night special. I'll, I'll admit Friday night was an awful game of footy. No, 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 no. Friday night was an abomination. <laughs> but but Short Hampson starred and everything, so you know it's worthwhile. Well, Sean Hampson sighting, yeah. <laughs> Seppo, what, what caught your eye, mate? Uh, well, my highlight or what caught my eye would have been uh, Sam Mitchell's knee if it wasn't uh, misdirected well. But, um, yeah, it was uh, a shocking game. So that's uh, a, a low light from from that. But uh, really the highlight for me would have seen the, um, the fact that the Adelaide Crows got up to play their game. And even though they didn't yeah. get the result against Western coast it was um pretty moving to see the way they um they treated the game and the before and after and um yeah it's it's pretty good that the way the uh, afl community come together and the crows have managed to have to deal with that tragedy and and still get out there and, and play a good game and um yeah mm. must have been really hard for them but yeah, it was my highlight to see mm. quite a sort of somber mood on a, an afl game which was um yeah really good to see and um well sort of looked after You've got to hand it to the Subiaco crowd as well. I think they were really, uh, really on top of the game. And uh, also the Eagles players for letting them walk off and the Crows for having their wives and kids fly out with them, understanding the need for support and everything. It was very hard to watch that end part in particular uh, without getting a bit of a lump in your throat, I think, even as a, even as a solidly male Australian. <clears throat> but uh, it, was, it was just one of those moments that was very touching and very... Uh, very I mean, we didn't get... I mean, obviously, we didn't have the podcast, so we haven't had a podcast since Phil Walsh's um, death, but you've got to say that pretty much everyone has handled it spe- spectacularly well. I mean, they really have struck the right tone um, and and resisted the temptation to go completely overboard with it. And I, I really think the league and the clubs as a whole have done tremendously well in, mm. in doing the right thing. Yeah, I think everyone comes true. out of this looking pretty well. Yeah, yeah, true. I think it's it's just uh, personified the level of camaraderie in the game, mm. you know. And the fact that no one's complaining about uh, the result of uh, the the AFL's decision either to award a draw, 
Um, it, it just really does indicate that everyone was on the same page on this. So, oh, I think there's only you can you end up being on the wrong side of history if you're the one who gets gets uh, gets your nose out of joint about that sort of stuff. And, and for yeah, the most the part, bigger things to life and footy and, and results, and I think the right outcome was done. It's going to be hard if it goes down to both Crows and Adelaide around the eight at the end of the year. And but it's just the best thing that could have been done. And and when you look at all, um, I think it was thrashed out on the forums as well. The different mm. ways it could have been done and all the other implications to you know Brownlow and you know voting and and fantasy scores and and everything for the players themselves and what it means for. Finals, but I think the right outcomes um, being done, and, and and how quickly the AFL acted on that, and for the way that they adjusted all the games right to the uh, um, the game that night between was it Hawthorne and Collingwood, I yeah. believe that played straight away, and the, and the way that you know the coaches got together and, and started that whole circle thing was a great movement, and then for the rest of the round they uh, adjusted all the game day activities to no, no banner. Everyone um, with the black armbands, a lot of the other sort of fun and, and jovial things were sort of taken out of the game day and a lot of focus was put on the um, the sad passing and mm. memorial of it. And it was, um, yeah, it was a, a different feeling around, but it was good that, you know, that sort of everyone got together and, and did that quickly. And mm. we're all big footy moderators in, in some, you know, some of us higher up the food chain than others. But, <laughs> oh, um, yes. I thought as well, just because, uh, I mean, I ran the live threads for Big Footy on it on the day, and just I thought that uh, the Big Footy community itself was very restrained in how they approached it as well, and all of you that participated in those threads and on the boards that day need to be commended for that. It's, uh, it was way too easy to take it the wrong way, and everyone no, did really well, I thought. No, I agree, and uh, and and the Adelaide mods, um, I thought, really did a really good job on their board as well, and... Um, you know, it's um, it's uh, these these things come up so rarely, and and they when they were, you know, and and they're very difficult to to plan for, and and I think you just got to let people um, say their piece and and emote and uh, stand back and and, and uh, be in the background, and I think everybody mm. did a really good job. And I think it'll come to a, a kind of a close this weekend with the showdown and the Phil Walsh medal has been announced uh, as a temporary, like, a one-off replacement for the showdown medal. Um, I know they're planning for a massive crowd. The showdown sold out uh, yesterday, uh, which is 55,000 people, so a full house at Adelaide Oval, plus they're extending it out to Elder Park uh, to cater for larger crowds and to make sure everyone can be involved in what will probably be the closing part of this uh, scenario for most people. Do they still... I guess the only other thing I'd say is that the Crows yet to have a home game since... Uh, uh, they had a home game on the last weekend, I think. The... No, like, away to... No, they West played... Coast. Away oh, were they? The Geelong game was supposed to be the, the home oh, that's game. Right. Mm. So maybe they'll have but, their own... I don't know. Maybe they'll do something for their home game. But I imagine at some point you got to... They're going to... There's only so many times you can... Um, uh, commemorate it and at some point you've got to um, move on and yep. uh, yeah. but uh, all the best for them this weekend back to uh, back to what we uh, caught what caught our eye on the weekend and Mike I haven't forgotten about you uh, not oh, that, not that right. you've got any, I'm that... sure you've got a highlight from the Gold Coast game <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, look, we, we don't we digress a bit, but that's okay. We talk a lot of uh, stuff here on Big Footy. But, um, you know, look, yeah, it was great to see the Dogs uh, play one good quarter of football. But, um, look, not so much uh, good things that caught my eye, but I think things, again, which we've, the AFL certainly got problems with, and, and we'll talk about this later, that's the, uh, the interpretation of the sling tackle. I think, you know, the AFL's uh, acknowledged they've got it wrong in, in some cases. And another another area which has sort of got me thinking is um, shepherding the mark. Now, you know, is that something that really should be going on? I don't know. Because um, that was like a Collingwood innovation, that, I mm, think, from a couple I, of years I, ago. I've never... done it for a long mm. time as well. Everyone I mean, kind of followed on. The... the, the... I think what you're seeing is, I mean, and they do these little screens all over the ground now. It's sort of, a, it's almost a quasi basketball tactic, but they're not actually shepherding the guy till they call play on. So technically, they can do it, and so then you're sort of carving in an exception for. How do you carve that exception out? Mm. Mm. It's 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 and, a tr- and which one are you shepherding? I mean, and what's to stop you standing? Two guys, I mean, I see it now a lot where you'll have a guy stand the mark and then another guy comes up next to him and the other guy moves off and they just sort of move sideways. So which one are you going to end up... I don't know. I've, we're going to talk well, about... I've seen a lot of the, uh, kick-outs, I think, recently with... I think Hawthorne were doing it quite a bit and I think Collingwood's probably renowned for it where the player standing on the mark is, you know, on the edge of the, the square and, and a player will sort of drift out from the 50, come in and actually... Leia Shepherd as the person taking the kick out goes to take off into the pocket and if the player sort of you know hesitates or the shepherd doesn't apply it's a simple handball off the top and off they go but it's um yeah it's not too bad at least when it's called play on from that position when they've been given the opportunity and the player on the mark can sort of move forward to take on the person but at least the player that's coming in to lay that sort of shepherd for the man on the mark is starting a fair way back before play on's called mm. I mean, my understanding mm. is they can't do it unless they've called played on, and if they if, if play on hasn't been called, then then they can give up a free kick for interfering with a man on the mark. Mm. So I think they have to wait for play on to be called to actually do it. Mm. Anyway, my highlight uh, for the weekend, and I'm going to go uh, a big picture thing because my football team, quite frankly, played like rubbish on the weekend. Uh, we kicked five goals for a game, and like I said to the guys before the podcast. You're never going to win a game of footy kicking five goals. I mean, this isn't touch footy. This isn't rugby. You know, five goals isn't going to get you anything, or it shouldn't. In the in, in Unless mod- it's Freo versus Sydney, that, that might be a game. In modern football, uh, under ideal circumstances, five goals doesn't get you in it. It doesn't matter. And like Carlton, people are complaining about the umpiring, and yes, some of it was a little bit astray. But uh, the the skills involved in the game were just appalling from both sides. And quite frankly, I don't see how Richmond are going to get far in the finals if they make them at this rate, playing like they did on Friday. But my, my, my highlight of the week, and this is a, a non-football-related one, but uh, is, is uh, we got our first pictures of Pluto. I don't know if any of you saw this recently. Yes, um, I, I, yeah, absolutely. And yes. uh, so I'm, I'm something of a, a nerd, as it were. And um, so, uh, yeah, the, the, the nine years ago, we launched a, uh, a probe into space, and it had this two-minute window to land where it was, and it, they landed it like within 70 seconds of its of its uh, specific uh, specific time, which isn't bad for the journey it took. And we've got our first good pictures of Pluto and uh, Sharon. So 
It was it was I, a good. I was amazed that they actually did an exercise where they fired from Tidbinbilla. They fired a high-powered radio wave and hit Pluto and managed to reflect it onto the probe at exactly the right moment. Mm, just the timing just involved. The the maths and the precision that goes into something like that does um it does blow your mind and it was uh and it's one of these oh well we'll we'll have another go later no 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 this is this is your chance That's and it. and um yeah it's it's quite extraordinary what they're capable of apparently it's what amazes of... me is the fact that they can do all this they just can't get the goal line review system working. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe we need the cameras to point back at Earth. No, maybe that's what it is. Get Hubble on it or something. From Mar- um, Mars and, and Pluto and Jupiter, and, and maybe they might be able to see what where the ball's touched on the line or if it's gone over. <laughs> and I saw an interesting graphic this week that showed that the it was cheaper per kilometre to send that probe to Pluto than it was to fly Bromham Bishop to in a helicopter. And I think, and, and it was, and it was. It was about $350 a kilometre for a Bronny and about a dollar thirty-five for the space probe or something. Yes. Well, a lot of that's probably the weight tolerances on the helicopter. Um, yes. You know, just for a hair alone. Just for a hair, yes. yes. <laughs> that's, well, that's, that's today in politics brought to you by Messenger, apparently. Thank you. <laughs> so we'll, we'll move along from things we uh, that caught our eye into the news, as it were, and we've covered Phil Walsh already, so we're going to move on from that. Um, but there's been a few uh, controversies, as you like, and I want to start with the uh, with some of the umpiring decisions mess. Uh, sling tackles, in particular, uh, as a Carlton person, obviously this caught my eye. Gibbs getting three weeks for his. Uh, Schultz getting off on his with a fine. And uh, later, the the um, match review, well, the umpire's boss came out and said they got that wrong. Oh, sorry, Mark Evans came out and said they got that wrong. Um, and then I think there was another one on the weekend. Guys, how are we seeing these things? Oh, I think, once again, it's I reckon it's too much that's taken into the uh, um, adjudication of the actual results and the medical thing rather than the actual intent of the player. Um, and it's just such a fine line between it, and it's just funny when you look at if you sort of compare the the Gibbs and the Schultz two on their own, you know, decisions are made on a week to week basis. But it's just so hard to use any type of a, a precedence or a consistency with how things are adjudicated. Because if you showed someone outside of the game to say, you know, all right, two instances side by side, one person got two weeks and the other person got nothing, you reckon they'd uh, work out? quickly which one was which because that's the bit that gets me is the inconsistency and 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 what it means to a player to get two weeks for something you know i know there's um you know two weeks down to one with an early plea and everything but the fact that there can be something so different and then they say that yeah we got it wrong would absolutely infuriate me as a a player and, and as a fan if, if it was directly involved with it and if it was something you know really serious in terms of what it means for <laughs> Once again, going back to something like Fife, it was uh, those type of incidents. If he did a sling tackle and they looked at the similar things, it would uh, probably drive a lot of fans crazy. Well, if it was Fife, he'd get off too, let's face it. Look, yeah. he, there's two things here. First of all, that, that I mean, you look at them side by side and you say, well, well, duh, of course they've made a mistake. And I don't know how much it helps the AFL to get up and make this big deal of it being a mayor culpa. But the other side of the thing is that the MRP... We're really no better off with the MRP than we were before this sort of graded, 
point scale system where we used to have four blokes go into a room and say, oh, yeah, Buffer got three last week, so we'll give him two. We're no better off. We're, we're, we're using a lot of subjective interpretations and trying to develop an objective system with it. And if any of you can just find to me what medium impact means, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go he. The, there's a lack of common sense. And last year and the years before, we said, oh, this is too extreme and this is too hard and it's, you know... And now we've got a, a different group in. Most of them are very recent ex-players and now they're seen as being too light. And so we're still getting back to this idea that we there's a value judgment to be made and if, it, and if the ruling doesn't match the value judgment then we have a campaign to get it right and I don't know, sometimes you just got to say, well you know what, mistakes get made and we move on and if you think it's two and they give it one, well you know, let's all live with it but you know I don't know don't we make too much of these, do we you know, do we go crazy about these things? Well, look, I think it's if you're going to make one ruling, you have to be consistent, and this is the biggest problem that the AFL face with this, or the MRP faces, is they have not been consistent. So, you know. Yeah, but they say no precedent, Mike. They say, no, we don't do precedent. We don't say you get two because he got two. We say we judge every case on its merits and we scale things. But really, what they do is they say, well, what does everybody think we should get? Let's Let's twist the process to deliver the outcome. Which, I, which you're, what you're saying is correct, but they're going. They shouldn't be going about it that way. They shouldn't be worried about whatever else things they should be doing. They should look at. You're right to a degree that they should look at the individual um, incident, assess it on its merits, look at the outcome, the way the tackle was delivered, the motions that you know, the amount of the amount of movements in that tackle. So if it was a definite sling tackle where. A player's arms were pinned and they were in three moves that were slung to the ground. That's a sling tackle. That is not on. If it's someone who did not have their arms pinned and was thrown to the ground in one continuous motion, I can understand them getting off from that because you've got to look at the intent of the player at that point in time. So, but I don't think we've got it right. We've got the MRP balance right. And this is where it comes it's, it's to better, your I arguments. It's all better than what we've seen this year. Yeah. It's too it's too subjective, and I don't think the MRP or the AFL is going about the MRP in the right way. I think you've got to have a different mix of expertise and skill in that rather than just lumping on a bunch of ex-players and hoping they do the right job. Yeah, but then, I mean, when we always go back to this, you know, is it is it what their intention was or what the outcome was? And, and sometimes it seems to be the intention, and then sometimes it's the outcome. We say, well, and then this one, you know, we've had Jared Healy arguing, and very cogently, I should say, that if you knock a guy out and they haven't got a chance, then then they've got to go. Well, well, you're saying that if you know that the that's a that's a outcome situation, mm-hmm. but by the same token, where where we're also you know the Buddy Frankel and recently where he ran past the ball dropped his shoulder and and clocked that clocked that player and got one week and they said it was careless. Well I think if you mm. run past the ball you're showing intent. Isn't that mm. intentional? Yeah, it's such well, of a great it could be subjective on the grading there. And I suppose the contact 
if it's high or medium, is about the only thing they can't stuff up. Because even the force, it, it's just funny because there's no real measure. Like if the player bounces back up, if he plays a game, there's no real set or consistency of the force. They can they can look at something and go, well, how far did the player move? What speed were the traveling? Momentum. They, there's so much subjective bits that go into a force and the intent. Now they've reduced, because it used to be three categories, now they've got two. But the fact that they can put something in a category that's clearly not would be the frustrating thing, especially with that buddy incident that you just highlighted there. Well, I mean, I, we, we go back a few weeks and then we pulled out potential to cause serious injury. Two players were suspended on that basis and then we've never seen it again. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like it. It's, it's just... It just doesn't seem rational. This is a problem. If we go, I want to rewind your memory, um, Messenger, back to a game between the Dogs and Hawthorne a couple of years ago. You'll probably remember this, uh, Jordan Lewis, mm. when he got crunched and tackled by Harbrow. Now, yeah. the intent there from Harbrow, he was going for the ball and he jumped in the air. And unfortunately, where Lewis was, he was in the wrong position. He got crunched, concussed. And I think this is where the concussion all came about. Um now, if you were looking at that incident today, would you rub Harbour out and say, well, it doesn't matter if his intent was there, Lewis was knocked out and concussed. Um, well, so he should um, My memory that. was that Harbour wasn't penalised for that, though, was he? No, he wasn't. He wasn't penalised. He wasn't even reported. That's right. But it was, a, it was an accidental collision. So the, so the point is, so really you've got to say, well, intention matters more. I mean, you wouldn't rub Howbrow up, but it wasn't, it was, it was an accidental contact in, in, to my memory. Was that, is that your memory of it as well? It was an accidental contact. Yeah, look, it was an accidental contact. The point that I was doing is, the point that I was getting to is that I don't think you can go to the extreme of just looking at the outcomes. Um, you know, you just can't base a decision on what the outcome of the play was as an impact of a, of a, of a play being concussed and being carried off the ground in that situation. So I think you've got to have a balance. You've got to look at, okay, what did the player do? What was their intent? And then look at the outcome and balance, you know, a balance of probabilities. Okay, well, if it hadn't have been for that player's actions, would that player or would the uh, recipient of that tackle or whatever it was, would they have still gone off injured and not come back on? So, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have a lot of trouble with it, but because I think we're, we're we've using a lot of subjective interpretations and pretending it's an objective system, and it's not. No. Yeah, I agree. It's not objective. It's absolutely not. Right, so we covered the uh, we, we covered the shepherding on the mark thing uh, a bit earlier. Did you have anything you wanted to add to that? No. Me, me no, 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 not, nothing really. It's just. You know, I think I think probably the whole thing with with the umpires being pressured to keep the game flying. I think maybe they're, you know, calling play on the wrong time. You know, if a play's taken too long, obviously, but once a play's starting, you know, they've taken their mark, they've stopped play, and they're taking they're standing behind the mark to take their kick. It shouldn't be play on until the ball's left their boot. Or they run off their line. That's when that's when the shooter happens. The player exactly. runs off his line. The other bloke moves yeah. up. And he sets a screen for him. I mean, that's that's usually how it works. Yeah, that, that I can understand. So you know, if someone runs off their line and the umpire players calls on, okay, fair enough. But while a player's standing the mark and taking the kick over the mark, it should not be called plum until the ball's actually left his boot. Okay, so moving along then uh, to Nathan Five, and I just I just. I want to bring this up because there was an article in the uh, 
Herald Sun today calling for a poll on people who would be eligible to win the Brownlow if Nathan Fife was rubbed out. Now, this article came about because apparently there's a school of thought going around that Nathan Fife is more likely to um, uh, lose the Brownlow than he is to win it at the moment based on his behaviour. Uh, no less, no lesser a light than John Ralph wrote that today, messenger. Oh, well, the, the inter- <laughs> he, he brought all his intellectual heft to that one, did he? That's right. <laughs> you sure that was John Ralph that wrote that, and not Messenger? Uh, John Ralph, uh, he's shown himself to be the kind of player that plays on the edge, as the great players do. Oh God! But uh, this opens him up to be final. Now you'll be interested to see who the uh, public believe will win the Brownlow in Fife Stead. Daniel Hanna- Daniel Hanabry. Uh, the leader there with uh, 25% of the vote. Matt Prittis apparently going to win back-to-backs if either of those two don't get over the line. Uh, Scott Pendlebury, Todd Goldstein, Trent, Co- uh, Trent, Trent Cochin, Patrick Dangerfield, Dane Beams and Dane Swan on the uh, Herald Suns poll there. Are they missing a name? They absolutely are. He only, he's played two games since he's been back and how many games have got left? Going seven games? Yeah, well... So, nine, that's 27 votes. No, no, no. I was thinking of someone else. Sam Mitchell. I was, I was thinking of someone who's, who gets 30 touches a week almost every week. Oh. And in fact, Patrick his next 30 possession game will be his 100th 30 possession game in his Patrick career. Cripps. No, I'm talking about Sam Mitchell. Oh, well, that's if he can stop kneeing people. Well, he hasn't been suspended yet. Well, that doesn't mean he won't get suspended next time. You just need well, a trifecta. You've had Lewis and Hodge. You just need Mitchell. <laughs> oh, look, Hodge was just misunderstood. <laughs> at, least, at least they actually go for what they do, unlike uh, Mr. Eyes on the Ball there. I want to just uh, talk about the third man up rule, which has come up uh, lately, guys. Um, there's been a few rumblings from some clubs about the use of the third man in uh, boundary rucking situations and uh, obviously uh, situations where the ball's bounced up around the ground. What do we think about that? Nothing? Oh, no, I, I've got something there for you. <laughs> it's, the, the third man up itself is not an issue, but it, the, the, when the third man goes up and the, the guy who has put his hand up to say is the ruckman is really only there to shepherd for the third man, that's the problem. Yeah, that's and what I see a lot. I suppose if you take the third man out of it, I have a look at. Um, I was just talking about the uh, Dockers podcast just earlier, just about the uh, treatment that Sandilands gets. With um, obviously, if he comes up as an undersized ruckman, or if uh, the other recognised ruckman's not there and someone comes up, any type of uh, hold or shepherd against Sandy, if the ball's not directly, you know, if it's a bounce and it doesn't go his way, and he's got to make his way over. The umpires are so quick to penalise him, yet you can have opposition basically just scramble over him or hold him down, trying to pin an arm, even though they, Sandy still gets a, a hand to the ball, that he gets hardly any of the free kicks he deserves. And that's why I think a lot of clubs have opted for a third man up or, or just try and really push him out of the contest. And, and the umpires are hardly even looking at it. You know, probably the mm. fair share of uh, free kicks he's deserving. Well, I think that's that's a similar situation to what was happening with Mincing for a large part of last year. He was he was just getting shepherded yeah. off the ruck situation, and he was getting frustrated and started giving away a lot of free kicks in the ruck contest because he just wasn't getting looked after by the umpires. So I, I can understand 
um, rucks, you know, getting pretty angst uh, about this sort of scenario. So I, I don't, I don't think the way it's working today should be permitted. I don't think the first ruck should be allowed to shepherd for the third matter. No, absolutely. I don't think so either. It might get to the point in the future that they uh, make it so that you can only have the one ruckman up. The, the only reason why I could see with AFL not, um, well, not wanting to get rid of the third man up is it actually probably helps clear congestion because oh, that's one, you know, another contestant, contested issue at the moment. And when you look at the third man up, it usually gets a good couple of metres on the ball outside of the pack that the club's um, you know, set up to get a third man up and have a set play where the ball's on the outside to you know, sort of either side of the contest a, a good couple of metres. And usually if you get a good third man up, you can actually push the ball a lot further than what the Ruckman can because you've got a lot more momentum going into the, the ball and, and pushing it on. So I'm sure they probably won't come up with a way to mm. stop that. But um, I reckon it... what they need to get better on is even just the direction of the ball. So I heard uh, it's something that I mentioned on the um, you know the rules that we'd change um, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, but get rid of the bounce of the ball and just have a ball up that is done quickly and it actually makes it more accurate, so it's dropping where the ruckman expect it to go, and it's not going one way or the other, and we can just sort of move on quickly from any sort of stoppages rather than sort of taking too much time or calling it back and laying more numbers to the ball. The thing with the third man up rule that gets me is there's actually no rule that says you can't have more than one ruckman up. Yeah. Like, and, and the only reason we do, I think, is a holdover from, well possibly as far back as rugby, because they only have the one guy up at the scrum, uh, at the boundary scrum. So, mm. I, and, and because we only have this one designated ruckman in the middle and, and all this sort of stuff, you think, well, we can only have one ruckman up, but really there's no rule that says you can't have more than one up as long as you're all going for the ball. Mm. It's, I suppose the only case where you've got that is, well, I know he's not a recognised ruckman, but man of times Roughhead's probably gone into the centre square where Hal or Segler or, or McAvoy's probably being the actual ruckman, and if you could sort of consider him a second ruckman, mm. he, he likes to get in there as well and, and play the third man up. If mm. you're talking about a, a second recognised ruckman being the third man up. Well, I don't really think that... I, I don't see Roughhead, actually. The guys who do it at Hawthorne, most of Jordan Lewis is the one who does it a lot, but Roughhead's really there to play as what we would call in the olden days a ruck rover. Mm. Like, he actually is usually... I don't remember him jumping into contests so much, but anyway, I mean, I could be mistaken. All right, we're going to move on again, uh, keep this moving fairly quickly tonight. And a couple of weeks ago, we put a thread up on the forum that we were going to discuss last week, but uh, we got kind of overtaken with uh, the interview with the Fans Association president, and we thank him for coming. But uh, we put a thread up uh, asking if if there were too many demands on players in the main forum. And we got some responses back that basically said, no, we aren't putting too many demands because basically they're paid to play sport and they get lots of time off and there's no, uh, you know, if I was being paid as much money as they were to do nothing or to do something that I like doing, then I'd shut up and just cop whatever I'm given. Guys, (laughs) how do you think? It it lacks a certain nuance, doesn't it? (laughs) It's a very intrusive. It's a very intrusive lifestyle. I mean, it's your job. How many people are on call for their job twenty four seven? And how many people have a job in which they tell you what to eat, they tell you what you can't do in your off downtime, 
Um, where you can end up on the back page of the paper if you blow 0.05. I mean, it's, you know, yes, they get paid a lot of money and, and yes, they're just kicking a ball of leather around, but, but it's a, um, it's a, it's a very intense and very intrusive, uh, intrusive job. Well, look, Messenger, it's, it's a public position of trust really, isn't it? You, you look at, yeah, you're right. It is. Look up yeah. to look up to football players and and use them as role models, so they are expected in the eyes of society to stand up to a certain level. Oh, and, and yeah. I don't disagree with you for a moment. I just say that it, it's it's not. And look, I think we'd all welcome the opportunity to make four hundred thousand dollars a year to play football. I mean, you know, God knows I would, though I wouldn't do very well at it. But but. Let's not pretend it doesn't have its price as, as well. I mean, that's, you know... Um, Wookie, you, you haven't been caught snorting cocaine on the back page of the Herald Sun, have you? Yeah. No, we'll, we'll, we'll take that as a no, but have you, Messenger? Uh, not this year, no. <laughs> not this year. Well, well you I know, I mean... It comes down to the, the scrutiny of... Um, a lot of the younger players, and I suppose it's not not often you see the older players being involved. Although that doesn't rule out a couple of the uh, stupid things the uh, senior players have done in the past couple of years. But I think a lot of the uh, recent recent conjecture has been about those young eighteen and nineteen year olds that have been asked to be you know role models and so much scrutiny these days with you know media and and things that probably gets put in their face and how they just can't afford to. Uh, drop their guard or you know get too involved in, in things outside of footy that you know if you're smart about it you know having a quiet drink of home you can't sort of you know rule out and say you can't drink alcohol unless the players actually make a decision or set rules you know if they join a quiet beer at home they can sort of get away and no one needs to know about it you know if it gets into other things i don't know what type of uh, rules there are around about recreational drug policy and and what exactly you can and do and what times of you know, day and year and, and in season or out of season. But, yeah, it's just not being stupid and, and knowing that you are, you are at risk if you do certain things. And, you know, you're not, we're not robots, so I'm sure there's a lot of things that the AFL Players Association well, um, say that, you know, you can't restrict the, uh, the, the livelihood of a, a player. So, Well, actually, the AFL, um, you know, we're on, the com- we're on the topic of drugs. You know, the AFL's policy now is, is zero tolerance for any type of drug, um, any sort of substance which is on the uh, AFL list for banned substances, and that 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 can be uh, you know things like uh, you know types of caffeine or whatever from those energy drinks. So, but I think the main point is here is that they're not growing up as normal kids do. You know, you see these kids, 16, 17, up by the big clubs. They're swung into a full-time... Oh, I think in most cases they're allowed to finish their HSC, VC and then go on to do university study. But outside of that, they're swung into a regime of training when they're not studying and they're expected to toe the line from the day one in terms of you know live up to the expectations of footballers. So these kids are getting these large sums of money thrown at them, but they're not living the lives of an ordinary kid. And I think in some cases that's what some of them want to do just be normal kids, but they can't because of where they are, who they're playing for, and, and their names. So, you know, I think it's a catch-22. I think in, in, we've got a lot of uh, guilt in that in terms of the amount of money that the AFL throws at these kids or clubs throws at these kids to play footy and sponsorships and, and revenue and so forth. And it's 
different today. I think it's far more competitive than it ever was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, and, you know, the, the mature players that are there today in the game, you know, they're growing up, they've had their time in the sun. But I think it's just a little bit of a different uh, culture this day for the 18, 19, 20-year-olds who, who want to be kids. They want to go out and party. They want to have a good time. I think if we roll roll the clock back, in, in my case, to the last century, when I was 18, 19, 20, um, you know, most most young males are idiots at that age, let's be honest. I mean, you know, there's not too many who have the sort of um, maturity and, and forbearance to, to make rational decisions. And so, you know, they, they learn the lessons of life that we all learnt at that age, except they learn them... In, in a in a more pressurised and more public way, and um, and uh, you know everybody makes mistakes, but um, for some the the, um, the the repercussions are more substantial. And and look, AFL football is only a small piece of their life in most cases for these guys. They're they're, they're in the league at 18 and they're out the door at 23, 24. So you know I I think we we do need to cut them a little bit of slack sometimes. I think so. Sorry, I, I dropped out. I think I must have dropped out of that call there somehow. But I've dialed back in, so I'm not sure where my conversation went off. But I think you're right. You know, I, I think I can't blame the kids in certain in certain areas because we, as a society, put a lot of expectations on their shoulders, and you know, they're not having the chance to grow up as most year old and year other uh, Joe Blows do. I wonder if, as well, that like Messenger was talking about, like you know, in the last century. Uh, when you know media was a lot less of a presence than it than it is now. Like now, it's an all pervasive thing. Like it's everywhere. It's on Twitter. It's on Instagram. You know, you can instantly find things about any player um, if they if they misstep. And I, I just wonder if we perhaps we've magnified these issues because of this insatiable appetite that the media has. That everyone down to the to... level where you're looking at um, younger players these days. They've got to watch what they say on. You know, Twitter and everything, like the examples of the Carlton player that got drafted that had to go mm. and delete a tweet from a year before. You mentioned about you know. Carlton year before. That's, yeah, that wouldn't have been an issue back in the day, but these things, you know, records stick and nothing's ever lost on the internet these days. So that they really do have to, you know, watch what they're saying and doing even just before they're um, drafted. Obviously, a young kid at, you know, 16, 17, you, you never know what type of. Uh, issue or preventative measures could be fixed by even just raising the, the draft age limit because surely that's sort of linked in in some form in a way but it's not totally the uh, solution to it because you just have to probably look at you know the American system or what happens over overseas in England where you sort of pay you know, a lot of money to have people that have some spare time on their hands and, and what you know damage and, and things that can get up to so but the money that, I mean yeah I, I, this whole argument that money money uh therefore you know therefore you must be responsible because of the money i mean the money's just a reflection of the turnover of the industry i mean i'm mm. i'm sure all four of us have reasonably responsible jobs and, and none of us are probably well perhaps wookie is I and mean, then he's a very high-powered <laughs> media guy in south australia these days but none of us are making afl player money i would think and but that doesn't make our jobs any less responsible it just means that we have a different profile that the money, the money is, isn't. Oh, how would I how would I put this? The the money doesn't buy the responsibility. It's simple. It's a it's a separate thing. It's to do with the industry. You, you, really, their big issue is that they uh, represent a club. 
they and that club has sponsors and there are commercial interests involved there, but their, their salary doesn't beget beget their responsibility. I don't think. So I wonder then if the answer is to draft them later, because no, I, I you've got these to... you've got these kids that you're t- you're, you're taking out of like from the age of you know sixteen. Some of these kids are under the media spotlight. If you're in the TAC Cup and you start performing well at sixteen, you're basically focused on heavily until you know your career's over. But I, I wonder if by paying these guys, by taking them out of their homes too early, that they're not learning that responsibility and they're not um, they're not maturing enough before they go out into this wide world that we all know about, we all live in, and you you know, Messing just seen more of it than we have because he's been around longer. But it's you know, you throw a young kid with no sense of responsibility and lots of money out there. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, Wookie. I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that, Wookie, because it, it's really no different than what it's been in the last 10, 20, 30 years. You know, even in the even in the 80s, you know, you were, you were getting 17, 16-year-olds being drafted. So I think, you, you know, you can't take the age away from them because the problem is, is that if you start shifting or start putting in, um, you know, uh, rules on that they must be of a certain age, like 20 or, or whatever, you're shortening their careers, basically, because in today's game, and it might have been doable 20 years ago when the game was a lot slower than today's game, it's a very fast game, and these guys have to be their athletes first, football players second, and they only have a limited window for that level of fitness before the body just is no longer capable of doing it. I, so, I, get, I get that. I get what you're saying yeah. there, Mike, but I also... I mean, I'm party to a belief that if we let players start getting drafted at 20, then they've actually got time to mature their skills and everything as well in in in, in second play. We go we, we turf a lot of junior players before they've even played a game. Hmm. That, well, what's the that might not have actually age, played a game. Uh, football is it 23 years and 50 games or something across the yeah the board? I think what we're looking at. So I mean, that's another discussion altogether that I'm 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 having there. But I, I just wonder if perhaps if we moved it all up to an older age, then not only did we get that responsibility and that maturity, but their skills might have developed further. Mm. And some of these guys, you know, we draft a, we're drafting more and more guys at a mature age that are proving that they can play the game, and it, it might not help. You know, it might not hurt for some of these guys to get some games in in you know the Sandful Waffle and VFL reserves and things like that before they actually take that next step into full-bodied adult, you know, AFL football. I, I don't know. I reckon if you're waiting for them to mature, you're going to be waiting to draft them until they're 25. Well, then they don't deserve to be playing mature football. No. It's football, though. But <laughs> it's, that's that's my blunt assessment message. <laughs> you could be a good footballer and be a dope. I mean, we see plenty of evidence of that every week. I mean, it's again, it's a small slice of what they do with their life. And, and I, I, I personally think we hold them... I think you can only hold them to the standard of society as a whole. I don't think you can hold them up and say you all have to be paragons of virtue. Life doesn't work like that. Yeah. So, you know, and listening to Dale Lewis the other night, and he, and he was being questioned, he said, do you think AFL footballers have a drug problem? He said, no, I think society has a drug problem. Yeah. You know, and, and, and let's not pretend that these guys are any different to anybody else in society. And I, I don't know. That's I guess that's where I stand on it. Yeah, I think that's that's my problem with a lot of things with the AFL, though. though. Things like racism and and uh, 
uh, drug taking and you know whether there is a gay problem or not in the in the league. I mean, these things are society issues. They're not limited to just the AFL. The AFL is a microcosm of society in general. It's not the entirety of society. So, mm. but you know, I may be in a minority on that. Well, you, you couple that with the fact that we're now in the digital age of media where, you know, there's so many uh, news reporters out there, there's so many avenues or so many outlets vying for a storyline. You know, you, you look back, I look back to the 80s, Doug Hawkins was a young 20-year-old kid and, and after after the Bulldogs would win one of their very few games, he'd be down at the Ashley Street Hotel on a, on a three-day bender with booze. You never heard about that in the papers. But uh, today, you know, you, mm. you would hear quite otherwise. So... It, look, it's a culmination of a lot of things. I think you know, it's just it's just the evolving pace of of the game, where it's come from, where it's at now, where we've gone as society, and how digital media and and, and uh, you know news publications have changed with the ride. So you know, I think as a whole, it, it's what we as society expect from these kids. Mm. Mm. There's a higher level of professionalism, and I think media and everyone sort of grabs on the people that don't sort of conform and, and, and yeah. get in line so if there's a bad story out there or someone's gone against the professional culture of the AFL footballer they're, they're all over it so they're quick to act. Absolutely. Alright now just before we move into the weekend's games, uh, Twitter before announced, well Mark Stevens on Twitter before, take this or leave it, uh, announced that WADA had la- uh, lodged their statement of grounds uh, against the Essendon 34 and uh, according to Mark Stevens, it strongly suggests that they're There'll be new evidence introduced into the hearing. So, fun stuff ahead there. In the story that never ends. Uh, but let's not dwell on that. Let's move on to happier things. Well, did we want to talk about? Do we want to talk about the crisis du jour? We have a crisis. Tell us more. Messenger. The crisis du jour is, is stoppages and the ugliness of the game and won't somebody think of the children. I thought we kind of started to cover that in all these little other things that we talked about earlier. Did we? Well, we, 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 we discussed the little things that are... Bo- I mean, what, what, what in particular bothers you about stoppages, Messenger? Well, nothing bothers me right. about what stoppages. About what, you, what about I'm you, I'm an Seppo? evolutionist. We were taught... There was this... There's been this... Every we do this every winter where we have a, you know, there's a few bad games and then we have to have a crisis and there's a let's have a summit and let's have a royal commission about how we can make the game better and let's change the. Let's rules. have another mid-season rule change. Yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, like let's that have a rule change. And at the moment season. where we want to apparently bring in zones, player zones, and we want to reduce the number of people around stoppages and I don't know. I just I. Makes me uh, makes me crazy when we, we we do these knee jerk reactions on the basis of six bad weeks of football. But anyway, yeah. let's move on to the weekend. Let's move on to the weekend. Sounds good. Let's look on a, a Friday night that's not Carlton or Richmond. How oh. awesome is that? Thank goodness. Oh, and it is who? It's North and Essendon. Oh God, Essendon. <laughs> <laughs> But, but you know, we're saving we're saving the next calm game for the Friday night after. Um, oh yes, so we got North Melbourne and Essendon this uh, Friday night, guys. Um, North perhaps not doing as well as they might be lately, although I think they got a win on the weekend. You they think? win against Geelong, actually. Yeah, just what is it, forty points or something like that, mm, mm. or seventy points? So this this game uh, Friday night, Eddie Had Stadium. 
Uh, Eddie had not been able to be used, I think, by the AFL this weekend. So, ah, sorry, the MCG not been able to use by the AFL this weekend. But, yeah, 10th versus 14th. So both of these teams, well, North at least, were rated considerably higher by people at the start of the year, I think. Uh, last time these guys played, North beat Essendon by nine points that Eddie had, so... Well, North well, were, of course, preliminary finalists last year, so, of course, I guess we had better expectations for them. And they did... I think they did draft specifically for... Like, because they thought they were a good chance this year, but... Uh, nah, just, half and wife and... Mm, uh, just well, doesn't seem North to... Are, just doesn't North seem to have... Still, sorry. <laughs> just doesn't seem to have gelled for them. Who's going to win that game, guys? North just. North quite uh, a lot. Think, I think North quite easily. Yeah. And on, on North making the finals, I think they've still got quite a decent chance. They've got a relatively easy run after this week. Um, you know, they've got uh, ooh, Brisbane Lions and... Uh, Ah, look, anyway, I'm not going to go through the one, but they've got a relatively easy game against teams that are placed um, from 12th to 18th. So it, it does raise the, it does actually change the odds, I imagine, for the the betting market, which is first Scott brother to be sacked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the game on Saturday, the first game on Saturday, uh, Geelong and the Western Bulldogs, Mike at Skilled Stadium. It'll be 12 degrees and raining, apparently, in the morning. Oh, an absolute beautiful day at 20. Can't you wait for it? It's going to be freezing no. out there. <laughs> Sleep, freezing out at Sleepy Hollow. But, um, yeah, look, two things going against Geelong. They have been very, very ordinary at Simmons Stadium this year. I think they've lost. They've only won one game out of their four starts and uh, no salvage uh, this weekend. So, I... I'm quietly tipping the dogs for a win there. But on the other hand, the dogs have been playing pretty poorly themselves lately. So, no, if the dogs rock up and play like they did in the last quarter against the Gold Coast, you never know. <laughs> Mike, Mike, this is I... Mike. This is this. This is the time. This is the time for the Western Bulldogs. Come on, Mike. You know, you know they're going to win, aren't they, mate? Absolutely. They're going to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then we've got to do it. No, I won't jump ahead to the game against Collingwood next week. But, you know, no, look, didn't, we'll, we'll didn't do it. did Melbourne win down there a few weeks ago? They did. Well, if Melbourne can win down there, surely, surely. You'd think that'd be a chance, but I'm going the Cats on this one. No. Just so I can rub it in Mike's face when they lose. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, that's who are Carlton playing this week? That's the, that's the song. It doesn't matter, actually. <laughs> no, that's right. Who cares? <laughs> who, are the, who are the Northern Blues playing, I should say? You, you take wins <laughs> yeah. wherever you can find them. <laughs> Guys, who's going to oh, win? Oh, no, you're, you're just upset. You're, you, look, you're just upset because you, you were, uh, you were insisting that uh, Carlton going to get up and, uh, and, and beat us a few weeks ago, but that didn't happen, did it? Well, there wasn't, much, right. there wasn't much in it, but uh, <laughs> no, we did lose, and um, that, that happens. And, you know, I take my lumps when I'm given them. Don't you worry. And all I can say is Fremantle better fear us this week. <laughs> Who's going to win the game on Saturday afternoon, guys? Who's playing? Geelong and the Bulldogs. Oh, Geelong. Oh, no, Bulldogs. I'm going Bulldogs. Bulldogs. Yeah. Bulldogs. And Michael go to the Bulldogs as well, no doubt. Which leads us to Saturday afternoon again at Metricon Stadium. Gold Coast playing GWS in the match of the round. 
What? <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. Seventeenth versus eighth. <laughs> I'm just I'm trying to build up, build it up here, mate. You know, trying to put some enthusiasm well, the expansion into expansion cup. Is that what they're calling this one? <laughs> that's, that's, 19 degrees at Metricon Stadium with a little bit of uh, wet weather about the place. Last time they played, GWS flogged Gold Coast at uh, Star Trek Oval, or whatever they call it, at well, Manuka Oval, I think it is, most of the time. Are they going to Canberra? Yeah. Is, is it Canberra, or is this, the, um, is this the, uh, the little ground next to the... in Sydney? This is in Canberra. Uh, sorry, this is in Gold Coast. Metricon. Metricon. Gold oh, Coast Metricon. Game. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Metricon. Yeah, Metricon, yeah. yeah. So... I'm going to go Gary Ablett with his uh, third game back, yes. carry carry the side. Now his shoulders had time. He's, he, he can put the team on his back of his shoulders and just carry them over. And I think GWS have been you know, fairly brave against the last few opponents. But I think now, um, you know, without Mumford, and I think Shields now ruled out for the rest of the season for them. Gold Coast still at home at the moment. It's, no uh... Charlie Dixon. Dixon's out and uh, Swire's out as well. Yeah. Makes it a bit oh, harder. I reckon the Giants. I reckon the Giants handily. I reckon Gary, Gary Ablett will win. <laughs> I think Gary Ablett will be sad at the end of this game. Yeah, no, I think the Giants are a little bit uh, irrepressible at the moment. So we'll irrepressible, go. like no. monkey magic. That's <laughs> he was irrepressible. <laughs> Now, the other game, Saturday afternoon in the twilight spot, Collingwood and West Coast, Eddie had Stadium. Could be game of the round. Could be. Could be. I think uh, Collingwood are going to struggle a bit. They've lost uh, Elliot, and Adam's obviously copped that two-week suspension for that ugly drop of the knee from that port game the week before. But mm. much else of the dropped hate in me last weekend as well. I can't remember who that was. No, uh, no one. Well, let's move on. I think it was... Um... <laughs> Yeah, West West Coast for the win in this game, and um, I think Collingwood might struggle, even though um, it's at Eddie Had. I don't think the West Coast have actually played well at Eddie Had. I think they've got a pretty shoddy record over here. So did Collingwood. Uh, well, let, let's let's uh, let's bring that to light. That Collingwood have not won a game for thirty five days. There we go. It's been thirty five days since Collingwood won their last game, so they've they not won a game since their bye. And they've only won one of their last five at Eddie Had. Mm. Mm. And apparently, I, I was uh, reading an article where a lot of players actually say that Eddie had is a very hard surface to play or a very hard ground to play. So it could be really interesting. I, I, this is to me. I'm. I know there's a lot of people on the West Coast bandwagon. I want to see them beat a really good team, and I'm not sure I've seen they've beaten a really good team yet. Well, like I said a couple of weeks ago, they haven't beaten anyone above them, so it's um. Well, they're second. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, I, they didn't beat us. No, hmm. and so I, I, this is to me, this is a good litmus test for them if they can if they can beat Collingwood. Get over the side of Melbourne strength, though. I know they're bringing Greenwood back. That hasn't played a game yet, but um, really for West Coast, they should win this game. I don't know if they're going in favourites, but really with uh, Collingwood with a couple of outs. West Coast should win. I'd like to see Collingwood get up, but oh, I think West Coast will win this one and just narrowly and probably stamp themselves as a it's kind of an eight-point game with Collingwood trying to push their way for a top-four spot. Haven't won a game recently, like you said, but you know West mm. Coast get this and they'll be favouriting, well, really pushing for that top two because you look at the next game and there's another one that could shape mm. the top four. Saturday yeah. night at ANZ Stadium, Hawthorne and 
uh, Sydney. Mm, big great. game. Big. Wet weather. Another great the stadium. Paddy. ANZ. Poo. There'll be 12,000 people there. <laughs> uh, replay of the 2012 Grand Final. There we go. Or a replay of the 2014 Grand Final. 2014 Grand Final. That's right. That's what they were harping on about in the uh, in the media this week. Well, actually, David Parkin was harping on that uh, tonight on uh, AFL teams. Mm. Yeah. So it's a big game. Can the Swans get over the Hawks? Yes, no, they can. not the form the Hawks are. No, the, the, we, they, we shouldn't draw any form from their uh, their flogging of Fremantle on the weekend. No, that's what I'm oh. saying. Hawks will probably win. I think that, I mean, Hawthorne are in good. I mean, Hawthorne are in good form, and that was probably their, their best. That was comfortably their best game of the season. But look, Sydney are. Um, I think we keep downplaying how good Sydney are, and um, they're, they're still a really good football team. And uh, they don't and, seem and to it's... have that potent edge that they did that like last couple of years, and I know their forward line's a bit buddy centric now, and I suppose they don't have McGlynn and um, who else have they got that's been injured a bit? I think the, Rowan's yeah, and yeah, but they get a, they get a little bit of bugger in them for Hawthorne games now. They there's a little bit of edge on it, and um, oh, yeah, they're 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 a very good chance. Mm. All right. The other game on uh, Saturday night, the big one, the one that you've all been waiting. I know Messenger will be watching this. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> you'll be switching off your own game and making sure you sit in front That's of the right. TV to witness. That's right. They're on at the same time, so I'm sure. Avert your eyes. <laughs> Fremantle oh. play Carlton at the Main Stadium on uh, Saturday night. The last time these guys played at Fremantle last year, Fremantle won by five points. Thanks so. to Cameron Woods' kick to Lockie Neal. Mm-hmm. That was brilliant. Stupid block. Now, <laughs> uh, I'm a Carlton supporter, and frankly, I don't give us a hope in hell of winning this. Freo will come out fired up. We've made four changes to our side, which we haven't done all year, four omissions. So, obviously taken that Hawthorne loss pretty badly, and we're bringing in some pretty you know, good attacking flair and drop some of those senior players that a lot of people in our forum have considered you know, photos of Ross or you know the golden pass so they've made the hard call and, and we'll be coming out looking to uh, repair many, a bit of the damage many, strike. How many goals will Carlton kick? I oh, will kick more than five this week yeah. <laughs> I, not, I reckon, not many more I reckon the, the, the wheels will start wobbling on the John Mark John Barker bandwagon here. I wouldn't be surprised if we get up on this one. No, to, be, to be honest, you... no, no. I'm making the call. I've changed my mind just because you said that. I, th- I think the wagon that uh, Barker's pulling is a little bit, um, a little bit stronger than you think. So, look, I... I think Carlton can do this, and I think it's going to be very close. But I think they're going to get up. So you think Carlton's right. backline is going to keep uh, Frio to under 100 points in this game? Oh, I think so. I think, I, think the I, th- I don't know what Carlton are going to kick, but I think the benchmark for us to get to the 100-point mark because we haven't done it since round seven this year, I think, and it's just ever since then after, from that Adelaide game on, we've been playing terrible footy and wet footy. So I'm I don't know if it's due to rain, but oh, I hope Freo do some damage. I reckon Ross is going to be saying, I want to see 100 points by half time. <laughs> and then we'll go just, win the game by twenty. <laughs> yes, and foot on it's yeah, it'll be foot on, 
foot on the pedal, we'll come out firing, and then we'll win the game by a couple of goals. Oh, Can't yeah, just, just top gear from from the first bounce, and uh, there'll just be fear in the eyes of the, the Carlton players as they as they um, spontaneously combust. It'll just, yeah. And you will smell what Carlton are cooking. Anyway, I, I will be on Twitter giving you crap all day, Seppo, because my team's going to win. It's gonna I'll be, enjoy it. It's going to be awesome, it and then I'll delete Twitter if we lose. <laughs> yeah. and, I'll, nice. and I shall change my name and it'll be it'll be not Wookie coming onto the forums from next week alright uh, Sunday's game Melbourne versus the Bulldogs at the MCG yeah, we're we're playing two games two. are we Brisbane <laughs> playing two games that's not bad match of the realm Melbourne and Brisbane Lions eh? 15 versus oh. 18 so, I can um, hear the expression of excitement in you t- tune, tune <laughs> in for that one <laughs> Is this the point of the season where sides, when you're talking about 16th and 18th or 15th, that you know any loss and all the calls for tanking will come out, and, and suddenly you'll <laughs> see some late games or late positional changes, and all of a sudden it's it's you know. <laughs> take the take, it's take the kids free to the MCG day on or whatever it is on Sunday. No, no, really, that's the Sunday thing. Is that you can the kids get in for free. So if you want to take your kids free to football. And populate the MCG, so it doesn't look like there's fourteen thousand people there. This is your opportunity. Well, Melbourne's and, midfield and, and, and this, Brisbane's back. And, and as is the St Kilda Richmond game at Etihad, same deal. So there you go. I'm yeah. doing your work for you, and uh, Gil McLaughlin. <laughs> send me a check. <laughs> you know, I think even the AFL's trolling game when they say it's or in their review that it's a big week for Chris Dawes. So <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what Chris Dawes is going to do. On and uh, a fairly big, fairly big game at uh, Adelaide Oval in the afternoon on uh, between Port Adelaide and Adelaide on the Sunday afternoon. Um, showdown thirty nine. Showdown right. is already sold out, and uh, it was sold out yesterday. I know Adelaide are doing something in Elder Park for their supporters that can't get into the game. Uh, so if you're in Adelaide and you want to get down to see some quality football and what is going to be a relatively emotional experience you should uh, head down there and check your club websites for details. I just don't know what, whether you, what, on what curve you can mark the Crows on this first of the year. I mean, I think you just got to just... I mean, you, do you write the season off? I mean, they, they can't. You just sort of say, look, let's just play the year out, gents, or what? Well, you can see how they oh. go. I mean, they might lift. I mean, they've got every reason not to in the next couple of weeks, but... After that, I don't know. I, I, unless you're in I their give, shoes, you really just don't know. No, no, I reckon if you give it a couple of weeks, I think that's when the wheels might start to fall off a bit. And it's just, it must be, they must be exhausted, emotionally exhausted after the last couple of weeks they've had. Mm. Well, I, th- I agree. Look, I think, they're, I think they're still going to be feeling it. You know, they've only just had Phil Walsh's uh, funeral. And was it yesterday? Yep. Yeah, so, yesterday. Uh, I think they're still riding on the wave of emotion, and I think they still need a few. They still need more time. I think, you know, I don't think they're uh, they're on a they're on the right track at the moment. I think it's going to take them a couple of weeks to settle down and, and get back in the swing of things. So, so unfortunately for Adelaide, it's been a really uh, shell shock of a season. You know, going against uh, everything that they'd hoped for, but unfortunately, um, they'll, they'll come through it. They'll get through it. I mm. think 
for their for their season though. You, you don't have any expectations on them. Just let them play footy. Yeah. Just let. Yeah. And, and by the way, if Port lose this, they are absolutely done, aren't they? You would think so, wouldn't you? You'd think they'd be uh, questionable. I don't think they'd be able to make the finals if they miss this game. If they can't beat uh, Boy. Yeah, the way they were talking last week, Port Collingwood game, if they'd lost that one, they're out. So the fact they got the win that every game counts now. So it's really going to make it hard, especially when you've got sides, we were just talking before, like Geelong and North, with a chance to make the eight. You really make it hard for Port, the case. And I suspect Port, have, they've got a fairly difficult draw coming back to, don't they? Mm. They're certainly going no, to play Hawthorne and Melbourne. Frio played them in the last game of the round. In the last game uh, of the season, man. Yeah. Season, Last yeah. round season, yeah. Well, they've got they've got Essendon next next week, then Saint Kilda, then they play us at Etihad. So I think they could still win two of those games. They could still beat uh, Essendon and Saint Kilda. So how many wins have they got, Mike? They've got six wins. Six. So we need what do we reckon? Twelve to make the finals? No, I think I think you're going to need fourteen. Fourteen to make the eight. To make the eight, twelve. Really? Or... No, no, I reckon eleven's enough. You reckon eleven? Yeah, I think twelve will percentage. be it this year. Very if you go 12. have a look at the uh, squiggle, it's predicting that North and GWS are the sides that make the eight on twelve wins, and Bulldogs just miss out in the eight with twelve wins. So I, I didn't let Mister Squiggle tell me what was going on when I was younger. I'm not letting him tell me what's going on now. <laughs> Upside down, Miss Jane. <laughs> All right, I'll compromise and say I think 13 wins will make you safe in the eight. 12 is ball of the line. You've got to win 13 games to get to the eight. Okay. And how many do you have to make to go top four? 15? 16. 16. Jesus. I, I don't know. That's hard because it's top, you, you couldn't say the top four is settled. At any stage, anything can happen. Mm. 15 or 16, yeah. Yeah. All right, the last game of the round, St Kilda and Richmond. Maddie's match, I believe this is. Yes, it is. Uh, so wear purple or something this weekend. Well, it's if you go along, uh, $5 for every mission goes to the, the thing, the fund. Mm. So, so go along. You'd think Richmond would have to win this to be taken seriously? Oh, they will win it. You think? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't think so. I think this is the classic upset. Richmond upset game. Mm. They're expected to win. Saints are probably got their their head up. I know they are. And they really didn't. Play. Richmond really didn't play well Friday night. Like Carl played not. worse, but Richmond didn't play well. They didn't. But That's... then, then St Kilda had lost pretty pretty comfortably to GWS. Mm. So. That's true, and they are fifth. So I mean, they obviously deserve the position. They have beaten some teams, so. Yeah, I think still. I'm hoping for the Saints, but the Tigers will probably win. Because I hate yeah. the Tigers. Oh, come on. It's Tiger time, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it time? Isn't it Tiger time? Big games coming up next week, There's Messenger. There's nothing more Tigerish than a Tiger. <laughs> yes, thanks, Christopher Robin. Um, <laughs> big games coming up next week. Carlton Hawthorne on Friday night, Mess. Oh, oh, I tell you what. It'll, apocalypse now too it will be <laughs> GWS and Geelong will be an interesting one at uh, skill, well at spotless oval it won't be that interesting will it 
Well, we'll know a lot more about GWS and whether they're going to finish finals or not. We'll know a bit more about Geelong, I imagine, by the end of it too. Uh, Richmond and Fremantle, Saturday afternoon at the MCG. One of your rare MCG games, Seppo. Yeah, one of our two for the year. Yeah, that's all you deserve. (laughs) Seppo, which week do you think that Nate Fife will finally snap and, and give away the Brownlow. I've got money on round 23. <laughs> round 23, last quarter. <laughs> I, I reckon... Time I on. Have a, he's not They'll probably even off. start a frame of market for it now. When will Fife throw away his Brownlow? He, he's Pick not far off. He, it's it's bad. It's, I look at it now, and the way he plays, he's, he's going to do something, because he's such a competitive beast. It's probably going to help. It, it now gets to the stage where he can do something so indiscriminate that they'll just probably drag him over and well, yeah, the last he, time he, he, he only needs he, to he, sorry he, he only he, needs to he, wrestle someone to get some fine and that's done it yep. that's it last time he elbowed um, Jordan Lewis in the head behind play and and, and lost his brown low mm. could happen so again so he's he, he's he's like a it's it's all it's all tense except you spend yep. the whole time watching him saying please please Nat be, be good Nat be good mm. I'm watching as much as you are, Messenger. I, I can just see you're on Fife, Brownlow Watch, and you'll be straight into every single contact he makes with another player over the course of every I, game for the rest of the season. I, you will be scrutinising it like hell. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. I absolutely well, will. More to the point, do we expect to see anyone bait him? That'd be interesting. I would. I would pay someone out there. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, in fact, you know what? If Carlton could do any service at all, any service to the AFL, they could send someone out to niggle Nat. Your job is to be the Nat niggler. I, I would have Cameron. Just, Cameron would go out there and say, "Look, mate, if you want to be re-rookied next year, here's what you've got to do." Just... Listen, Dennis Armfield. If you if you can if you can niggle him, we will not make you shave your mustache off. <laughs> Get in there, just just make Matt make make her sad. I thought of is it funny Armfield has an arm injury this week. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's out of the team. Armfield has an arm injury. Oh, Moving along, guys, as we close up, things you're looking forward to see this weekend. Messenger. Uh, I am looking forward to the Hawthorne Sydney game. I am. It, it will be a great clash. Yep. Seppo. I'm actually looking looking forward to the uh, uh, Collingwood West Coast game. What we uh, mentioned before, and just uh, what it means to the top four. I know the um, Sydney Hawks one's a good one. Our game really doesn't mean too much. We're a game clear, and yeah. the result should be foregone. But no, I think the uh, Collingwood West Coast game will be interesting to watch. I'll be uh, keen eyes on that game. Mike, I'm looking forward to obviously the game between the dogs and the cats, and if uh, we can win that, will be five and a trot for us. So hopefully we do win that. Um, Geelong have been a bit of a bugbear for us, and actually we haven't beaten them since 2009. How's that? Oh, that's interesting, Mike. That's great, Mike. <laughs> I can't think I'm of any other team. That... Good stuff, stats man. I can't think of any other team that had a long losing streak against Geelong. <laughs> it's always a first. Um, I, I'm looking forward to the showdown on the weekend. I mean, there are other interesting games, but the showdown interests me the most, being from Adelaide and everything, so that'll be interesting. But also Monday night's game between Adelaide United and Liverpool at Adelaide Oval will uh, be an interesting one to watch out for as well. 
thanks thanks very much to everyone for coming on. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks, Mike. Thank thanks, thanks, Mike. <laughs> Thank you all. Have a good weekend and uh, go the dogs. Thanks, Sefo. No worries. Thanks for having me on and let Fife be MRP free. <laughs> Thanks, Messenger. Niggle Nat, you know it makes sense. Niggle, niggle, <laughs> niggle. <laughs> and that's good night from me. We'll see you all on the forums.